What is the Triple Board Residency Program? How does one mentally prepare for a five-day interview? How are Salt Lake City and the Twin Cities compatible? And finally, what does Ultimate Frisbee have to do with a medical school application? Today on Talking Missions and Med Student Life, I interview Dr. Luke Dwyer, a second-year Triple Board resident here at the University of Utah School of Medicine. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. All right. Welcome to another edition of Talking Missions and Med Student Life, the pod, as I like to call it. Got a great guest today, Dr. Dwyer. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for having me. I just sprung on this on you in the very last minute. That's true. You're yeah. very kind. You're very kind. We look for no spontaneity problem. on the pod. All right. All right. So you're a resident. I'm a resident. What is what is a resident? What does that mean? So as a resident, I've completed my undergrad degree. I've completed my med school four years. And then at the fourth year of med school, I applied to get matched into a residency. And I'm now, after graduating from med school, in my second year of residency here in Utah. So what kind of resident are you? So I am maybe a bit more of a unique program. I'm in the uh, triple board residency, which means that I'll be doing some training in a combination of general pediatrics, adult psychiatry, and child psychiatry. Triple board. Triple board. So you're like the Marines. Kind of. You jump out of a plane, you swim. Do a lot of (laughs) push-ups. Do a lot of push-ups. You can handle any situation. Yeah. So uh, going back to med school, what, what attracted you to the triple board? How did that start? Uh, kind of a willy-nilly, you know, I was not planning on doing this at all. Uh, for most of med school, for most of my life, I figured I would be a general pediatrician and probably do outpatient work, just, you know, well-child checks and sore throats, that kind of thing. And then ended up doing some work before med school and during med school with a lot of kids with autism and just kind of like that. And so by the time I hit my child psychiatry rotation in med school, um, just kind of liked that flavor of patient and the kind of work that we would do in psychiatry. Switched focus to psychiatry and then heard about this triple board program in which I could do the general pediatrics and the child psychiatry and um, decided that that's what I wanted to pursue. And so we're talking, you're at Minnesota, right? I was at Minnesota for a And they don't have a triple board program. So how was right. that received? It was like, oh, you know, this is weird. What are you doing? And yeah, I was told by my advisor not to do it. And, Interesting. And I agreed with him that, okay. yeah, maybe, I, maybe I'll just pick one or the other, mm-hmm. and then I'll pick child psych. But um, I don't actually remember how I came around to it. I think when interview season came around and I was applying, I talked with my girlfriend, now wife, about this program and – we both thought it was at least worth checking out, and I think I kind of had a hard time giving up general pediatrics. So, you know, once I interviewed with it and, like, learned a little bit more about it just by talking to people on the interview trail, I uh, decided that's how I wanted to do my rank list and hopefully where I'd end up. Mm-hmm. So here I am. So Minnesota, land land of 10,000 lakes. Yes. Did you have a lake by your house growing up? Uh, I had a pond that they called the lake. Okay, good yeah. to know. Was it called Pond Wire? <laughs> no, it was Stone Lake. Oh, yeah. is there stones by it? There was a few. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Skipping stones on the lake. All right. Yeah. So growing up in Minnesota, land of 10,000 lakes, what was it like to move to Utah, land of mountains? Oh, uh, I found it a very easy move. I think uh, just I think Salt Lake City and the Twin Cities were very compatible with each other. People are pretty laid back. People enjoy being outside. I did switch up the lakes for the mountains, but, you know, I'd spend as much time as I could on the lakes fishing or swimming or just kind of hiking around and 
doing the same thing in the mountain areas was no big deal. And I grew up skiing on 300 feet of vertical in Minnesota. Oh, so cool. swapping that out for 10,000 feet. Are those called hills or mountains in Minnesota? They'd call it a mountain. Okay, interesting. Uh, Mount Cato or okay. something like that. And uh, so, yeah, happy to check out the mountains okay. for a while. And I remember you saying earlier, when you came out and interviewed here, it was a mm-hmm. five-day interview. It was a five-day interview. Why did it take so long? I and think how, it's probably- how does one mentally prepare for a fi- It sounds like a marathon interview. Yeah. I think it's probably the only five-day interview in uh, residency history. Okay. But it was because I was applying to this triple board program and also not knowing how triple board would work out or if I would even be accepted into a triple board program. I was also applying to uh, categorical psychiatry programs. Uh, the categorical psych program here does this like weekend um, interview where – you fly in Friday night, you spend Saturday and Sunday hanging out with the residents, and then your interview's on Monday. So I heard from them first, and I said, yes, I'd be happy to come out and do this. That sounds mm-hmm. really cool. And then a few weeks later, I heard from the Triple Board program, who said, we'd like to interview you on a Tuesday and a Wednesday. So fly in Friday and stayed here till Wednesday and got to know the program really, really well. Figured that by the end of this five days of wearing a suit and did you wear the same suit all five days i had two suits you had two suits and i think the first two days i was allowed to be just casual we went like hiking and go-karting okay but for monday tuesday wednesday i think i went blue gray blue okay so and what about ties how many ties did you i had three different ties three different ties all right so the dr dwyer fashion tip of the week is if you have a five-day interview two suits three ties two suits three ties were you good yeah, okay. nobody, nobody you spilled knew. food on one of them. You might have been SOL, right? So, probably, yeah. Uh, yeah. So was it hard to be, like, on for five days? Or was there enough breaks that you can kind of relax and not, like... Yeah, there's about? enough breaks. And I think the interview, you know, it, for sure when you're with the residents, it's not as on the spot. You're just trying to see if you fit in with them. So, like, having to, like, be as buttoned up uh, wouldn't serve you that well when mm-hmm. you're just hanging out with the residents. And that was... At least half my time was just kind of hanging out with people, trying to get to know people. So, mm-hmm. you know, the two days of interviews where you're wearing the suit and you feel quite stuffy, um, that can get a little draining. But that was more typical um, of the other interviews I did. Well, so despite the long interview, is it the long, longest one in the triple board? I mean, are the other oh. triple board is that long? Well, so most triple board programs are two days long. Okay. It's just typically they combine the psych program and the Pete's program okay. a little bit more. But this I just got to really dig deep. So was it the residents who sold the program? I mean, obviously you ended up yeah. there. So yeah. I mean, like, like how how do you, like, how like? So sometimes when I interact with med students, they they struggle, like especially this time of year. If mm-hmm. any med students are listening to me right now, I, Doctor Chan, I will fill out your match list for you. I can do it in like in five minutes. Yeah. None of them have taken me up on this offer, so right. they're struggling with this. So okay. how did you decide to rank Utah high? Obviously, you ranked it high. Yeah. So, so I'd say first off the programs both individually between like the three modalities i'd have been happy to end up in you know any one of those programs in their like categorical way and i thought that the triple board program also did a good job of combining the three of them so that like the sum was greater than the parts or whatever mm-hmm. and you know so it was just it was a, it was a well-run program and i knew that i would get good training out of it and then you know from there ranking it against the other programs that i applied to um, this one just seemed like the one where I would be the happiest and mm-hmm. where my wife would be the happiest. Like we wanted to go somewhere where we'd be able to just hang out with people who were, 
into being outside, not mm-hmm. taking work too seriously, mm-hmm. not taking themselves too seriously. Good work and, life, play balance. Yeah. yeah. And just like, you know, people who didn't want to, like when we get together with our friends who, you know, all of them are co-residents, we find it very easy not to just talk about work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't quite feel like I would get that at other places. Um, so that's kind of what brought us here. Did your wife get to come out with you? for? No, she just kind of... Um, trusted me okay that's good trust is great thing to have in marriage <laughs> yeah. great thing to have in relationships i also again i tease the med students that you know if they don't know where to rank stuff just turn it over to your partner turn yeah. it over to your spouse you know yeah. I, I think spouses partners have a lot of input and, and I, i've heard that some just do that and they yeah. are legitimately surprised on match day so oh no I've, i'm glad i had a little i mean we went out we went out for what we thought was going to be a couple beers but Halfway through our first beer, we had our rank list made, and mm-hmm. it was a pretty easy decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Yeah. So let's go back to the beginning because I, I remember you told me, um, like, like Luke, when I think about you, Doctor Dwyer, when I think about you, there's like this arc that I think is just beautiful. And I was talking when I was asking you about some of the activities you did before med school. Yeah. That may or may not have helped you get into med school, uh-huh. but like they were pretty cool. So can you talk about that? It also goes back to like what you know Minnesota and working with like different patient populations and and things like that. Are you talking about the summer camp I worked in? Yeah, the summer oh, okay. camp. Lake, Lake right. Wobegon. Is that in Minnesota? Lake Wobegon is a fictional lake. Harrison <laughs> <laughs> Keeler. Yeah. Oh, you did it to me again. Yeah. He'll get you. <laughs> um, I'd first also like to point out that in high school, uh, my team was state champions for Ultimate Frisbee, which I thought you may have been bringing up. But okay. Oh, we could talk about I that. I think that Ooh. may have got me into it. We like to talk about sports school. on the pod. That's a very popular with But that. if I can talk about summer camp, my too, yeah. uh, my summer camp experience was very instrumental um, like as I look back over, you know, like if my life was organized in a timeline, like my first summer at Camp Buckskin in Isabella, Minnesota, would be uh, a big spot in my timeline. And that, again, was just kind of me throwing. I didn't really end up mean mean to end up there either. Mm-hmm. I was I was a junior at Marquette where I was doing undergrad, and mm-hmm. I had a job lined up to be a tour guide for Marquette, which would have meant drinking beer all summer long and working 30 hours a week and having a pretty good time. Mm-hmm. But decided I wanted to do something a little bit more structured of substance. Yeah. You know, yeah, I was craving structure, structure and, uh, it's all about the structure went yeah. on Craigslist and just found this listing for a summer camp. You found it on Craigslist Found it on Craigslist. Um, this has to be this mo- late two thousands. When's this? Uh, 2010. Okay. Yeah. All right. I feel better about this. Okay. Yeah. So found it on Craigslist, emailed my resume out to this camp director you know, I knew it was a special needs camp, but I didn't know much else about it. And I'd kind of done some work with the special needs population in high school. So I was, thought I'd be okay to try it out. Mm-hmm. And ended up there a couple months later, and I was sharing a cabin with a dude from Scotland and a dude from Wales. And we had a cabin full of 10, 11-year-old boys who all had, you know, some form of special needs, a lot mm-hmm. of, like, you know, high-functioning autism or... ADHD or just behavior stuff, and mm-hmm. we taught them how to shoot guns and canoe. And so it's like a total immersive kind of what you think of as a summer camp down yeah. by a Minnesota lake. Yeah. There's a lot of summer camps up there. Like, I tend to remember there's like language dozens, camps. Yeah. And there's like yeah. 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 So it was like it's for kids with special. So, so what are special health care needs? People may not know what that means. So. Yeah, I mean that's a I guess a huge. You know, grouping, but for our special healthcare needs, there wasn't very much med- like complex medical needs. Like, mm. we would not have been able to handle a kid with type one diabetes, for example. 
But we were able to handle kids who had more emotional behavioral stuff that mm. other camps wouldn't be able to handle. So um, we were able to give our kids the experience of the summer camp, which is pretty integral to a kid growing up in Minnesota, is having that canoe summer and you know learning how to shoot a bow and arrow. A lot of kids do that. But um, our camp just had like the staff ratio and the training so that you know if a kid who had something like autism was getting um, you know emotionally dysregulated because of the mosquitoes, for example, because that's just a very hard stimulus to deal with, we were specially trained in how to like emotionally intervene, mm. sometimes physically intervene, and other camps just wouldn't be able to handle that kind of thing. They would call the parents and say, Take come, get home. come pick up yeah. your kid. Yeah. But we you were, guys, it sounds like uh, you had a greater threshold. Yeah. Before and just more people. Yeah. You know, a normal summer camp wouldn't have had, you know, three staff for 10 kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Going back to your timeline, I mean, do you think that helped factor in your decision to become like a triple border at all? Or? I think so. Yeah. Again, like when I was then four years later, when I was on child psych, it just kind of felt like this same kind of environment that I liked working in. I liked working with kids who were having a hard time for whatever reason or another. I really like, you know, we get the same kind of team aspect with working with super closely with the social workers and the psychologists mm-hmm. and um, just kind of seeing kids who aren't sick on the outside, but, you know, at the same time are not very functional in their current setting and kind of seeing them do well was kind of what kept me going. Okay. So cool. it felt the same. So when I first asked my question, you know, what helped you get into medical school, I was thinking of that experience. But you yeah. started thinking about, what was it, state champions? Uh, I played ultimate frisbee a lot in college. You're, a, uh, you're okay. So I, I am fortunately or unfortunately not in charge of the Minnesota, University of Minnesota medical school application process. Yeah. So they may weigh that more heavily. Let's talk about this. Yeah. So this is at Marquette? Yeah, so I played in high school and in college. I, okay. played, a, I played a lot of ultimate frisbee. Were you on frisbee. scholarship? No. I was they don't have scholarship? Play. No. Oh, okay. No, we pay a lot out of our own pocket to play. How much does it pay to play ultimate frisbee in college or high school? Well, so like, so in high school, again, my parents were, it was just like the sport I was involved in. Mm -hmm. So my parents were paying for that. Uh, But for ultimate frisbee, like we'd be driving to tournaments every other weekend in the fall and summer. And the tournament fee for the team would be like 300 bucks, which we split between the team and Mm -hmm. we'd be paying for gas. The college would subsidize us a little bit, but I'd be throwing down like, 40 bucks a week just to go play frisbee. Okay. Um, which seemed like a lot at the time. Do you have uniforms in college? Yeah, but oh. like we'd make them ourselves. There'd be numbers on them? Yeah, it was number four. Okay. Yeah. So would there be referees? No, it's self-officiated. Self-officiated? Yeah. So you can progress to the championship level with with no referees. Correct. That's fascinating. Now it's changing a little bit. At the oh, highest really? levels, there's observers. They're not referees because it's kind of like the spirit of ultimate frisbee. Ooh, what is, what is the spirit? Is there a motto? Is there a logo? Yeah. Okay. So if you if you were to get the most recent edition of the rules, the back page is the spirit of the game, and there's like ten bullet points of what the spirit of the game is, and it's just about like how yeah, it's self officiated, so you could ruin the game by mm-hmm. calling a travel, you know, okay. if you wanted to, mm-hmm. but you don't. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it happens. I played a little bit in high school, nowhere near as you did. Yeah. Is there still that rule against spiking the frisbee? 
Because I remember that was a big Yeah, that's been fairly relaxed. That was a big spirit, like spirit of the game thing. Like, okay. Uh, but that's been fairly relaxed in the last So after you years. score, what do you call it? A touchdown or? A goal. A goal. Yeah. Some people celebrate by yeah. throwing the Frisbee off the ground as hard as they can. Yeah. It's called spiking the Frisbee, like yeah. spiking the football. So. I'm still pretty old school. I've never done it in my okay. life. That, that would disrespect the Frisbee. It would hurt me. Yeah. Well, yeah. So uh, how many, uh, again, I know very little. This is why I love doing the pod. I just yeah. love <laughs> So in, at the college level, how many people are on a team? It's a seven on seven. Seven on seven. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the professional way it's set up. Yeah. Um, and then do you have positions? Uh, yes. And what was your position? I was a handler. So I was kind of like one of the point guards hanging back, distributing the, the disc. Handlers and cutters. So okay. the cutters are the fast guys who are scoring the goals in the end zones. I'm the guy throwing it to them. Okay. Is there anyone that hangs back on defense? Like no. Like you're all – no. Okay. So there's no goalie. All right. You're all, It's all – it's usually one-on-one. Sometimes we'll throw a zone defense out. But it's not like hockey where someone like, – right, so, yeah. so someone can get fouled out. It's not six on seven. It's always seven on seven. Right. It's more right. like basketball where you're all playing both sides of the ball. Okay. Yeah. All right. And at the college level, what's a typical – I mean, do you go to a certain number of goals? Yeah. First so to 10 or first to – Usually first to 13. 13. Yeah. Okay. 15 is more standard, but 13 was just because we're playing four games Do you have to day. win by two or three? Yeah, you got to okay. win by two. Okay. Yeah. So – you're at Marquette, and do you go play other colleges? So how does that work? What's the circuit look like? Um, so Wisconsin had a fairly good scene. I guess most Ooh, colleges have a team. rivals to Marquette, right? Uh, yeah, so UW-Madison, they were, like, national champions a few times mm. when I was playing college. They were really good, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, so Wisconsin has a bunch of schools. Minnesota has a bunch of schools. Iowa, Michigan. Like, we'd all kind of have those kind of more local tournaments. Yeah. But then, like, for spring break, we would all get in a van and drive down to Georgia, mm-hmm. play schools from all over the country who are also taking their spring break there. Um, so that's probably the furthest I ever traveled. I actually played ultra frisbee in medical school because the University of Minnesota had a top-ranked national team. Ooh. So, and you get five years of eligibility. So I played four in undergrad and one in med school. And so, interesting. I got to play at the national championships in uh, Boulder. Was this the first year? My first year in med okay. school, yeah. Right. And we got like you know, so we we lost in the quarterfinals. Uh, so we say we got fifth, but okay. so did four other schools. Uh, since you obviously have. You know, really mad ultimate skills. Yeah. Do you ever like play pickup ultimate and you know put a little friendly wager and then you just go out and dominate? You know, uh, I'm I prefer the... just to dominate. Okay, no right. sandbagging involved. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> I'm thinking of I'm thinking of like the plot of certain movies yeah. where people like hide their skills. Kind of. I okay. mean, so I played Salt Lake City Rec League okay. this uh, summer. How, how does Salt Lake compare? Uh, it's a smaller scene. Okay. Um, so the it's those mountains get in the way. Yeah, there's other stuff for people to do. Yeah. So there's not as many people playing frisbee. Um, it was pretty. I mean, it was fun. It was a fun league though. My team won, won okay. it all, so it was, it was good. That was yeah, it was good, right. good time. So we got a couple minutes left, Doctor Dwyer. Any advice or tips for people applying to medical school? What would you say? How would you count yeah. them? So I think I think this is kind of where we were going with the frisbee thing. It's like have something that you do that gives you. A different identity and so for me when i was applying to med school um all of my essay was about working at camp buckskin and mm-hmm. playing ultimate frisbee so when i showed up to interview i was the frisbee guy you know because <laughs> not a lot of other med school applicants were playing frisbee okay so that meant that you know my interviewer knew who i was when i walked in the door mm-hmm. hopefully you know because they'd, they'd read something if there was something that stuck out they knew who i was and they know who I was a month later when they were, you know, putting their thing together and recommending me to Dr. Chan to come to their med school, you know. So mm-hmm. I think that served me very well, um, just kind of doing other stuff that's not 
super academic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think uh, just sticking with it, I think med school is very tough to get into. It's very tough when you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never, ever once discouraged somebody from wanting to go to med school. Um, and I had that happen to me a few times. Like, you know, I was at, like, my cousin's wedding, and there was some dermatology resident there who just told me under no circumstances should I ever go into med school. And I was, like, a sophomore in college at the time. And That's interesting coming from a derm resident. Right, yeah. Like, <laughs> there's a stereotype out there that their lives are pretty good. Yeah. Right? So, I hope I don't get a lot of hate emails yeah. from the derm residents maybe listening. But, yeah, that yeah. really offended me as, like, a sophomore in college. And, mm-hmm. like, um, what, what, what was the reasoning? Did he, did he or she give you any reasoning? Um, just that it was uh, – he said it was debilitating. What? Those are his words, yeah. Okay. Med school is debilitating. I think it's hard. It's challenging. Yeah. But it's also inspiring at yeah. the same time. And so. we have a, at the end of the day, whatever specialty you end up in, it's a pretty fun gig mm-hmm. that not a lot of people get to experience. Um, you know, nobody else gets to have their hands inside someone's abdomen uh, for five hours at a time. and Birthing babies. Yeah. You know, it's... it's Talking to people all day long. Yeah. yeah. So when you get to step back at it, it I think it ends up being uh, very much worth your while. Well, so you're a second year, right? Yeah. Can you feel the light in the tunnel, or is it too far away? Um, I think it's too far away for me to see the end, um, and I don't really know what I want to, really where I want to end up, or where like, you know, how I want to. Don't end worry, up I'm going to track you down in a couple of years and yeah. you come back on the pod. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, so I don't feel like I'm, you know, like the darkness is closing in and I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I just, mm-hmm. you know, I got three more years here to yeah. figure things out. Well, I was just more of the vantage point because I have a lot of students that talk on the podcast and also a lot of attending physicians. You're unique because you're kind of in the in-between point. Yeah. And, you know, let's see, you're four years med school, two years. So you're six years into sounds like a nine-year journey. So I suppose, yeah. I guess that's one way to look at yeah. it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Well, Dr. Dwyer, thanks for coming on. I'll yeah. have to – I had no idea you can throw the fri- – no. So uh, you can't – this is not a video podcast, yeah. but like – you know, most people throw frisbees like this. What's yeah, that called? It's a backhand. The backhand. Yeah. But uh, really serious ultimate people, which I know you belong. Yeah. They do it like this. That's What's that? Skill number one is throwing that forehand. The forehand. Yeah. And I'm, that's probably super. You can probably do that in your sleep. Right? I can throw that about a quarter mile. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And regular frisbees, not those aerobies, yeah. right? No. Yeah. Regular 175 grams. Ooh. Uh, down, ooh Discraft like Ultra Star. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to see your uh, frisbee skills. Yeah. You call it frisbee, right? Technically, or disc. you call it ultimate, and that's it, because frisbee is like a trademark from Whammo. Ooh, so, I did not know this. So, and like we, Whammos are thought to be inferior frisbees. Interesting. When it comes down to it, so this we goes use, back to the culture. Is this part of the ten talking points? Uh, no, but the Discraft Ultra Star, I believe, is the official disc of the uh, USA Ultimate organization. So, ultimate describes the sport as well as the object within the sport. No, they would just call it a disc. A disc. But ultimate okay. disc sounds pretty dumb. Yeah. Ultimate frisbee is just kind of what people call it. Okay. So, All right. You know, trademarks or no. Interesting. Yeah. It's like when we sing happy birthday. Yeah. It's actually yeah. copyrighted. We should pay the person. Yeah. That's why restaurants, I learned, when you're at a restaurant and they sing happy birthday, they have their own songs yeah. they've created because mm-hmm. – Legally, as of this big, like, big corporate empire, they can't like pay the royalties for singing Happy yeah, Birthday to you. That so that's up. why they create their own yeah. Happy Birthday song. Cool. All right. Well, thanks, Dr. Dwyer. Cool. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Anytime. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.